Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Fans Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Corey Haynes. He's the head of growth over at Barometrics and uh, a bunch of other things that you've been doing so far. So thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. I know, you know, time is valuable and everything. So uh, it's definitely something that we appreciate you doing. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your background, you know, like where you grew up, what kind of things you've you did before bear metrics um, and what kind of like led you to where you at right now? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be able to share. And um, so uh, I grew up here in San Diego, California, my whole life kind of born and raised, which is actually kind of rare for a lot of San Diegans nowadays because everyone wants to move here. Um, but uh, I got into kind of the, the tech space. Well, I, I guess it kind of started in college and I sort of caught the entrepreneur bug a little bit and just started listening to guys like, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss reading the four hour work week, um, rich dad, poor dad, even, and really just kind of like opened my mind to this whole other world of, um, you know, kind of like tech and businesses and, uh, and, and, uh, and that's where my, my interest kind of got peaked into the business world. I was actually planning on majoring in accounting. And then when I transferred to a new college, uh, they didn't have an accounting major. So it was either global business or it was marketing. So I majored in marketing. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is really kind of my thing. I can really get into this. Um, and so I started helping a lot of friends with their websites, building websites on the side, um, doing, you know, small freelance projects for, uh, for nonprofits or, um, other companies and kind of, you know, family owned businesses, local businesses, th that kind of thing. Um, and then my last year, my last semester of college, uh, I was planning on proposing to my then girlfriend, now wife. And I was like, man, I really got to figure something out because I didn't have a job lined up. I hadn't really done very many internships. I was kind of just doing my own thing. Um, but it was, uh, it was, you know, I think it was like late January, you know, so it was the start of the new semester. And so I lined up this interview with a, uh, an e-commerce agency and yeah. I was super stoked. You know, he was like, I would love to talk to you. You know, I think you might be a good fit. Uh, so we'll end up with the phone interview and then he's like, you know, tell me about yourself, what you're working on. And I, I told him I was still in college and was about to graduate in two months and was just looking to, you know, start my career. And he's like, Oh wait, so you're, you're still in college. Like you're, you can't work full time right now. Mm -hmm. like, no, I was hoping, you know, and he's like, okay, cool. Call me back in two months and hung up. Oh, <laughs> I <was> like, oh, <laughs> my gosh. So I went back to class and during class I was like completely destroyed. Right. And, um, I just Googled best places to work in San Diego and was going through each of the career pages, looking for, you know, marketing positions, really anything at that point, to be honest. Um, and I happened to stumble upon a junior marketing intern position at a local startup here in Cordial. Um, I emailed him, applied. Uh, he responded right away. He was like, come in this Thursday. Thursday came, got hired on the spot. And that was kind of my entrance into the whole world of uh, tech and marketing. And, and um, so spent like two, over two years there. Uh, and then after that moved on to Barometrics. That's really cool. That's awesome. And I feel like that's a lot of how, you know, marketing kind of goes because even though, especially when you go to school for it, because uh, I think now they do have, you know, like digital marketing, um, you know, curriculums and stuff like that. But even then, like, it's very hard to keep pace with how fast everything changes to keep it on paper curriculums or whatever. Um, yeah. so, so a lot of the time I feel like these people, you know, like you and I or whoever, they have to go and like kind of like find their own thing to do. Otherwise, there isn't really much that you can do in a sense no. as advertising. 100%. It's not really like, you know, you, you, like I guess you could go like traditional advertising, but it's like the, uh, the opportunities for that are very small at this point. Yeah. Uh, so my, I, my biggest piece of advice for anyone looking into 
getting into marketing or like graduating from college, trying to find a job, doing a career switch is to start something on the side because yeah. then that really like kind of, um, it forces you to actually like do and implement the things that you're learning. Yeah. You know, you could be reading books or listen to podcasts like this one. Um, yeah, but if you start a side project, then you can actually start practicing that stuff. And then when you have an interview or when you're talking to someone, you have experience and you can talk about, Hey, I started this thing or I started a podcast where I interview people. Um, I had this website, I built this job board. Um, I, you know, I, whatever it is, right. It doesn't even matter what it is. It's just the proof that you can, because right. really what you're going to learn in school is only going to take you so far, which is not the, very far to be honest. The thing is like, you know, people that are looking to hire you, they love that, especially in the startup space, if you show that you have the ability to start something and, and, you know, keep doing whatever you have to do to move the needle in that specific thing, like they, they absolutely love that because they know that you're going to do similar things if they do hire you on. Um, yeah. And I've experienced that firsthand as well in the past, but that's really, really cool. Now, how does that transition go into bare metrics? And tell us a little bit more about, you know, bare metrics is pretty well known, but essentially what is it that is the problem that you guys are solving? That the company's solving there, I'm yeah. kind of solving for them. Both. <laughs> Both, yeah. So uh, I had been following, so in my whole interest in getting into business and tech and stuff, I discovered Josh uh, Pigford, the founder of Bear Metrics, and you know, he was sharing uh, all his metrics publicly. He was blogging all the time. He has the podcast. Um, and so I was like, wow, this guy's like, he's the real deal. Like he's sharing everything. is super helpful. So I'd have been a big fan forever. Uh, and then when I saw that he was hiring for a head of growth, uh, I had been kind of following through the journey. I knew that they were sort of hitting a plateau at a certain point and he was getting a little bit burned out and doing a lot of the marketing and sales stuff and not being able to be kind of like a true CEO. Um, and so I knew really that uh, they needed someone who could do a little bit of marketing, a little bit of sales and a little bit of kind of retention stuff, really kind of a blended role of things. Um, and so that's, that was kind of my, uh, that I ended up getting hired, which was an amazing opportunity and still super thankful for that. And it's been an amazing ride so far. Um, but the, one of the reasons why it was so attractive to me is because Barometrics customers are SaaS founders. You know, they're, they're software and subscription companies, uh, and I get to work directly with them. I have a kind of intimate part of their business. Um, so it kind of, to give you a little background on what Barometrics does, we're essentially a tool to help you uh, analyze all of your revenue and growth metrics, and then we'll also give you some tools to help you reduce churn uh, and, and kind of act on the data, right? Not just kind of see what it is, but be able right. to um, to work on it as well. And so that's really been kind of the the most, um, I guess, like meaningful part for me is just being able to have that relationship with founders. And okay. I talk with you know ten to twenty founders a week. Uh, I'm creating content for founders. I'm I'm going out to the market and asking, you know, what is what's missing? What what are people not talking enough about? What can we do to help? Essentially, um, so it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. And just super active in the community, right? Like I feel like like you've been doing this for longer than I have, as far as you know, being in in the software community kind of thing. And that's one of the things that I love about it is the fact that everyone is so proactive about things. And it's like there, it's it's hard to find. In, in other places, right? And, and you have this sense of like family where you want to help one another and it's just very entrepreneurial, like here, like, let me give you a hand with this thing and, and whatever. And I think that all comes back down to the fact that almost every single person or really every person that gets into the software space right now is a form of entrepreneur at heart. And like a lot of them, even if you don't know, they still like, they have that side thing that they're working towards or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think 
um, it's such a funny, like when I explain to, you know, family members or friends what I do, I'm like, well, I market a software product for other software businesses who are probably also building software for other software businesses. So it's very meta. Um, but you're right. It's, it's such a tight knit community and glad to be able to have such a kind of close part of it. Totally. Now, when it comes to marketing for bear metrics, like what are some of the things that have been most successful for you? Yeah. Um, really? So there, I have the, uh, I guess like a good opportunity and I've a lot of the, a lot of the hard work has already been done for me because Josh has done an amazing job of starting up the blog and doing the podcast and really building the bear metrics brand uh, to a certain extent. So part of it is just continuing to build on top of that. You know, like SEO has been a huge win for us. Um, content marketing and sort of sharing it's based uh, essentially kind of like thought leadership. If you want to use that kind of buzzword, um, a lot of the, uh, like the, community engagement as well, right? Just being in those circles, having those relationships, um, essentially cultivating a lot of word of mouth as well, which is kind of, um, uh, it's very hard to do, right? But I think that that's something we've been able to do successfully. Um, And then some of the other things, I mean, really, what I've been really trying to do is get down like in the trenches with founders. And so when someone starts a trial with parametrics, like they're getting all the emails from me. I'm trying to provide as much value as I can. I'm offering to hop on a demo for 15% off for life. Um, I'm offering to send a personalized video to them to walk them through their own account and give them advice on their metrics and what I see. I'm offering to do like a free strategy call for a landing page uh, review or a pricing review or onboarding help. Um, and then along the way, right, I'm just trying to start these conversations with, with, uh, with founders and, and with these people who are interested in learn, learning more about their business and, and, uh, and how to improve their metrics. And so that's been, I mean, really just honestly taking the time to do that, uh, if you can just have someone uh, like me, essentially, who, who can just be there and be able to, to give that attention over email, over you know video calls, over Zoom, whatever it is, that, that does make a difference. I think it does and it has uh, moved the needle. Now, one of the other things that we've been really focusing on is Barometrics isn't a, it's, uh, it's sort of a multi-product uh, suite. And so we have the analytics product. But we also have a dunning tool, which helps you reduce failed charges and, and uh, delinquent churn. And then we also have uh, what we call cancellation insights, which is like an exit survey tool, which helps you learn why your customers cancel and get that qualitative feedback. Um, so a lot of it has just been kind of marketing back to our customer base because we know one, that these are really easy wins that, that founders uh, can implement and they can really move the needle for their business. Um, but also we already have that relationship. And so getting these, these add-on tools also is going to increase our revenue. It's going to help them increase their revenue as well. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's just been, a, um, it's learning how to do that in a way that isn't spammy, right? It's, it's taking the time to go through each one and say, Hey, where are you at with churn? And is this a good fit for you? And, and do you want to try it for an extended time? Right. And, and, um, so, uh, that's also been a big win for us as well. Okay. So that's one of the first things and like the things that you mentioned, right? Like, like you said, they are time consuming and you have to just set the time aside if you don't have someone to do it for you or get someone to do that sort of thing for you. Um, but again, like it's, it's, rather unscalable right and that's one of the first things like i think it was like episode eight or something this this is going to be episode 52 um but one of the first things that i talked to a founder about was you know like what is like the thing that you know will move the needle regardless of what stage you're in and that was doing unscalable things and that's exactly what you're doing right like going in like really understanding your customer trying to help them move their own needle so that they can then help you do the exact exact same thing um, but that's always, that's something that really resonated with me as far as, you know, like customer service and just 
forgetting about B2B, B2C and doing more like H2H, essentially like human to human, you know, interactions where you're not growing anything. You're just trying to help each other out. Um, and that kind of brings everything along with it. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing I always tell founders, because I think we get in this mindset of like, well, I need to scale and automate and outsource and I just need to get everything off my plate. Yeah. But until you know really what works, um, you don't need to do all those things. In fact, they could actually be really detrimental or really expensive for your business and not move the needle. And so I always tell people, uh, do things uh, that don't scale until it literally doesn't scale. And like, don't try to like, just like, do it. So do things that don't scale and then like scale it, like do it for as long as you can for as long as it works, because you don't want to let that thing go. That's working, right? Why would you stop doing something that already works? Now, of course there are ways you can make things easier. You can automate certain processes or parts of it. Um, but to a certain degree too, I don't know if everything is scalable. Like there's always going to be those things, um, that are completely unscalable that just take literal kind of brute force manpower. They're going to move the needle. And if, uh, and if no one else is willing to do that, that's a huge advantage that you can take. Um, and that you can, that you can use for your business as well. Cool. Cool. Um, another question that I had, and, and this is because I went through and like took a, took a look at whatever you guys were doing as far as advertising goes. Right. And, and I noticed that there, I don't think at least I didn't do an actual search. Uh, I just went on spy food to see if you guys were running any sort mm-hmm. of Google ads or anything like that or Facebook ads. And I didn't see any of either. Is there a reason for that? Or is that just something that you guys feel like could wait a little longer? Yeah. Great question. Um, when I started at bear metrics, uh, I sort of tried to break things down into like, what are, what's going to move the needle the most and what are the things, uh, kind of starting with like, where should we start and what are the low hanging fruit and then what can we go uh, attack later? And so I've been with the metrics since December. So it's about almost been uh, a year now. And um, I tried to visualize things in like the AARR model of, I think it's Dave McClure, kind of the, the pirate metrics, if you will. Um, and so I wanted to start at the bottom at revenue of um, how is our pricing doing? Is there any pricing optimizations we can make? Can we upsell customers, right? Can we increase the adoption across our product? And then go into referrals of how can we increase the advocacy of our customers? And is there any sort of uh, way or incentive for us to, um, for them to uh, invite other customers, right? And then go into retention um, because that's a huge part of growth, especially for the SaaS model where it's literally the longer someone is with you, the more right. money that you make. Cool. And so retention, I mean, that's a whole tangent of its own, but it's literally the cornerstone of the SaaS model. It's the cornerstone of SaaS growth because without it, it's just a leaky bucket, right? Anything that's coming in, it's just going to go out. So I also wanted to make sure that, you know, are we uh, retaining customers well? And anyone that we do, um, you know, if we do later down the road, invest a lot into ads or some sort of scalable program that they're going to actually stay and they're going to be the right customers for us. And then moving to activation. Um, and so, uh, converting more trial users, making sure that people are actually understanding you know, there are more ways that we can get people to um, to get involved with us. Like I said, these are, these are kind of the, that was kind of the impetus for all these unscalable things like the demos and the personalized videos and the strategy calls, um, et cetera. And then moving to acquisition. So to be fr- quite frank, I'm kind of just now getting to the acquisition part of our funnel. Okay. I'm starting to think about it because before that, I really haven't even, um, it hasn't been, even been a part of my strategy so far. Uh, it's definitely something we've, um, I think that we're open to doing, but we just really wanted to tackle like the, the more core, um, bottom of funnel, uh, parts of the business before that. That's, that's, I mean, I, you completely explained it perfectly. Like, like you want to make sure that this system essentially is actually working before you start throwing more into it. Otherwise it's just going to be 
if it's if something's broken, it's just gonna end up breaking more, um, essentially. But I love that. Uh, so for for anyone that's out there, like kind of in the same position, you know, like should we do it? Should we not? Like, what is the one? Like, what is the tipping point essentially to actually make that switch into, you know, I guess a more scalable approach at acquisition. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you want to you want to really make sure that you have all like the fundamental elements that you need in order to really go hard at acquisition. Um, the, the tendency and I guess sort of mistake that a lot of marketers make is that they come in and then they're a marketer. So their job is to get traffic, right. and drive leads and to just kind of like do all the marketing things. Right. And so, right. um, and then you're, if you're really sophisticated, then you'll redesign the website and you'll introduce a new lead magnet, but that might not be what the business needs. And you have to put yourself aside for a second and think not, not, um, what is it that I can do to push the business forward and not just to do my job and not just to kind of check the boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely something that I've seen across the board is like, um, well, that's not my problem, right? Well, if we're not retaining customers, uh, then like I even get that's them. customer success's problem and that's product's right. problem or kind of always pointing the finger, but point the finger at yourself and say, what can I do to help? You might, it might be that you have a retention problem because you're attracting the wrong type of customers that are not sticking around. Right. And so always look back in yourself and think, um, what can I do to build the foundational elements? And then I think once you do, and you can use a tool like Bear Metrics to see, you know, if your metrics are solid enough in, in order to really go after acquisition, um, and then you really can uh, invest in, and then you can really make a case because those are the questions that your boss is going to be asking you, that the founder is going to be asking you, that the CEO is going to be asking you of, hey, why would we go get more customers or drive more leads if things aren't working yet? right? Why would we do this? And so once you can make that case for yourself of, Hey, we've gone through it. We've done all the steps. We've done a full audit of the funnel. Our metrics are solid. Now I think we should go after acquisition. Love it. Now, one of the things that you mentioned previously was you trying to go after the lowest hanging fruit and essentially there are ways to do that, right? With paid advertising. Um, and you have remarketing campaigns that can be very granular, you know, like, how long is someone staying on the page? What pages are they looking at? Did they go to the contact us page? Did they stay three minutes on the contact us page thinking about, should I actually do this or not, et cetera. So like why then put something like that aside when you know that you could potentially bring someone back that is going to have a lifetime value of whatever the lifetime value is. If it's going to yeah. cost you a fraction of that. Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, mostly it was just I wanted to, to work through things systematically. And so I didn't want to be scattered because once you have, you know, a PPC campaign going or once you have some sort of, uh, you know, advertising you program going, you, you want to focus on it. But also it takes a lot of mind share. It takes a lot of attention. You have to constantly be tweaking things, monitoring the budget, adjusting, uh, experiment with new things. And so I also knew like I, I, as a one person team, as the head of growth, which is, uh, you know, I am the growth team. I knew that my time uh, was going to be, I had to protect it. You know, I had to really prioritize and figure out what are the things that I can do um, that are going to actually, I mean, how can I make the most of my time essentially? Right. So if I do this PPC campaign, I know that this is going to be like the only thing I'm going to do for like a month. Right. But maybe there's like three other things I can do simultaneously that will be greater than that. And so that's kind of my approach going forward. That's awesome. Very cool. Now, kind of like switch into a little bit more of like personal approach at things, right? What's been one of the most challenging things as a growth marketer, as you know, the position that you currently have at, um, bear metrics. Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, I think part of it has just been, uh, 
not getting buy-in for things, but I think really orchestrating with the team of um, when you do need help with something, like if it's design or if it's development, if it's some sort of you know tweak in the onboarding flow or creating a new page, even depending on what kind of system you have set up, um, it's orchestrating all the right resources in the right places. Um, you know, there's been certain things that uh, have taken longer than they they should have, which is because it's my fault because I didn't understand. You know, hey, this person doesn't have the capacity to do this right now because they're working on this other thing, right. and then I'm over here waiting, like kind of looking at my watch, like, hey, what, what's up with this dude? I'm, you know, this is what's happening over here. Right. But I should have known that, right? And so, um, one, it's just been kind of getting all the right resources resources in the right way, orchestrating them in a timely manner, um, but also like just sort of your own personal limitations. Like, there's only so much that you can do and uh and it can be frustrating sometimes like seeing a lot of things like you know you have the whole the list of a hundred experiment ideas and um and people are telling you hey this page can be optimized right. over here there's this keyword is just kind of flashing at you and it's a really big uh, seo opportunity and you're like oh, i can only do so much right and so right. i was just figuring out like try to, how to be patient and how to work through things systematically in the right way to just kind of go one by one you know it's kind of like the how do you eat an elephant one, uh, one bite at a time, right? Yeah. What is your process for prioritization? Yeah, I like to use um, a sort of a, uh, I guess like a spin on the classic growth hackers process of, um, I, I call it grows. So it's gather, rank, outline, you work, and then study. So I like to do a lot of brainstorming. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that, that doesn't get talked about enough, but especially in the early days, right? You just kind of want to jump into something, but really take the time to look over all of your options. To, they're like, I like to say there's no bad ideas. Like just get them all down on paper, right, right. Write, write them down. And then you rank them. So you look through each one and you say, uh, I, I like to use the classic ICE method. So impact, confidence, and ease. You give each one a score of like between one and 10. And that gives you kind of a, a combined score of, you know, between three and 30. Mm-hmm. And they give each one a score and I just like to kind of start, start at the top, right? So the top one that I start outlining it, you know, who's this for, what's it going to do? What's the expected um, impact or how do we measure this? Who needs to be involved? How long is this going to take? And then once you have about probably three at a time, uh, it's usually kind of what I like to do is I find that I can't really do more than that or it doesn't right. get the right attention uh, more than that. Then you just work and then you just go and you, and you execute and you give it the, enough time that it needs um, and then you study it, right? So that you go back and you analyze and you say, hey, what works? You know, what are the, what are the uh, room for improvement? What should we continue to do? What should we start doing with this? What should we stop doing with that? Um, and also take the time to do, uh, you know, I love like the, a lot of the product development um, traditions are around like retrospectives yeah. and marketers don't do that very often, right? Because no one wants to look back and say, hey, this didn't work, right? Or like, yeah. hey dude, what's up? Or like have to kind of be accountable and own it. But I think it's a really, really important thing to do, um, especially if you want to take those learnings forward for the next experiment. Definitely. And one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, we like sitting down and like writing everything down, uh, thinking about it, et cetera. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Uh, uh, no. And he talks about thinking time and the importance of it, right? So really just sitting down for an hour every day and writing down what questions you have, like just go for an hour and write, write questions. Um, and then you can write questions about each question and like you can go down a, a huge rabbit hole too at the same time, but essentially like it really puts everything out into perspective um, as far as like what is like the most important question to answer or like what are the options that you have? And it's, he's, he talks about the fact that, you know, people don't really think about the decisions that they make. Um, and they should like, 
if I asked you something right now, you probably like answer it right, right away. Right. Instead of like sitting and thinking about it for a minute or two. And, and he talks about just like thinking for literally an hour of what questions could come at me and like what the answers for those would be is super interesting. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast would enjoy that, that book. Um, when so this, this is another question. This is a good one. What is something that you're not very good at? Oof. Um, I'm not very good at, uh, I wouldn't say like analytics. I think I'm good at like, uh, actually going through the analytics and understanding analytics, but like setting up event tracking and like conversion goals and um, really like, like the setup part of it. Yeah. A lot of people like thrive on that and like, Oh, let me go through and this thing is missing or we can track this. Like, I'm not about that. I'm more of like a end result. What's the strategy? Yeah. How, what do we make sense of this kind of thing? Um, so a lot of the analytics set up uh, and um, that's definitely been something that I don't have a lot of experience with, but also just, I think I don't like doing it either. Yeah. <laughs> Probably it's why I don't have a lot of experience with it. It's tedious. Um, what is your biggest accomplishment? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, I think thus far, just like the revenue goals that we've hit with bare metrics, mm. um, really happy, you know, we've grown about 15% uh, this year so far. And, um, and that's after a year of kind of complete, plateaued flat growth mm -hmm. and uh and so i think just i mean to be honest it's quite hard to do it as a one-man team right not yeah. having the freelancers the the team members the agencies to work with like literally it's up to me every day to sit down and figure out what what right. can we do to move the needle um and so it's built a lot of discipline um into my the, the way that i approach things and and how i i go about my day and and really taking the time to think about those things as well it's like i'm not just going to go you know willy-nilly doodle around with this blog post idea like right. is this going to bring revenue in or not <laughs> and uh and so learning how to do that for myself and then actually being able to find the results has been really satisfying that's awesome that's really cool if you had one piece of advice for anyone that's listening to this be that you know founders marketers um people in this space what would that be Hmm. Uh, I would say learn to think more strategically. Um, I think there, there's, it's really easy, right? Cause you see it on Twitter all day long on LinkedIn on blog posts of like, here's this tactic and that hack. And here's what this other company is doing. They just raise money, but really sit down and, and think about, you can't just copy and paste that stuff, right? All those things are, are leveling up to a larger strategy. So think about how to be innovative and original with your strategies. Um, one of the things that's really helped me has just been, uh, learning and incorporating and practicing mental models, um, really simple frameworks for just how to think, right? And when you see a problem where, where you're trying to think about, will this work for us or what should we do? Using mental models to then, uh, as a tool to be strategic in that and to think through things very critically, um, I think will go a long way for people, especially, you know, to get that next promotion. I, I like that because that's, I feel like you've brought that up multiple times um, during the podcast as models and, and different ways of thinking and prioritizing and stuff like that. And, and I absolutely love that. To be honest, I feel like maybe I'm not as methodical or systematical as I thought I was after listening to you speak and just like, you know, understanding that there are people out there like you, like you that are doing all these things to like figure out, you know, like, what should I be doing next? Like what thing should I be working on today, et cetera. So I think that's awesome. And I think it is something that a lot of people would both benefit from and should be, you know, striving to, to get to that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I, and, uh, the mental models make things a lot easier, right? It's just, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You don't have to think from scratch. You right. don't have to go think about, you know, how can I, you know, copy or, or kind of remix this thing that someone else has done. Um, you can really 
uh, learn to be kind of original, but also to your point, like learn your strengths as well. Uh, I'm not a very like tactical kind of like hacker kind of guy. And so it's hard for me to do some of those more tedious items. Um, I love being kind of strategic in in the clouds and thinking through stuff, but also you have to have a a blend of both, right? So um, learn how to improve what you're already good at. And then sort of, you don't have to be, you don't have to make your weaknesses into strengths, but learn how to compensate for your weaknesses, whether that's just learning how to do it good enough or learning how to outsource or hire someone for it, um, or just even asking for the help. Totally. That's awesome. Uh, one of the companies that you kind of look up to that is not bare metrics. Oh, that's a good one, man. I love both notion and Webflow. Um, yeah, I, I was like an early adopter for notion. So I always tell people like, dude, you know, I was on notion before I even knew what it was. Uh, and, uh, I love what they're doing. You know, they have an amazing brand, um, really, really, really strong product and word of mouth function. You know, that's just like driving crazy growth from, I'm not even sure if they have to do any like true marketing to be honest, because it's just such a, a fantastic product and they have such good momentum right now. Um, but Webflow as well, I think those guys have really, if you listen to Vlad and his story, they've really just grinded it out. They care a ton about their customers and been super customer focused from the, from the beginning, um, which is something that I always harp on. And so it's amazing to see their, uh, their progress now and also their vision for the future. Definitely. That's really cool. Now I know this is on your personal website, but what are some of your favorite books or actually just like your top one book? If you could read one book again and that was it, what would it be? Um, I think this is marketing by Seth Godin. Um, I I think it came out last November. Uh, and I don't know if it really made like a huge splash and I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but man, that is a good book. Um, I mean, his like single idea around the whole book is people like us do things like this. And that is all of marketing. Like if you can just understand that, he kind of just, uh, he circles around that idea and a lot of different angles and views and perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, but Seth is also just an amazing thinker. He challenges yeah. me to really think critically and, and hard about things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's like the heart of marketing. So I would just keep reading that because I feel like it always gets me back to being grounded of you know what marketing is and, and why I do the things I do and, and how to actually make it work. That's awesome. Cool. And, uh, we're getting close to the last question here. What, uh, where can people find you online? Yeah. So, uh, my personal website is just at Corey or it's just CoreyHaines.co. Um, my, I'm on Twitter mostly. I tweet a lot, actually. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm just at CoreyHainesCo also. And then baremetrics.com. If you need uh, a tool for your metrics, analytics, help reducing churn, um, I'll personally help you onboard, get set up. I can give you advice on your metrics as well. Um, and I'm also just Corey at baremetrics.com as well. If you want to email. Cool. Awesome. And last question, Corey, do you have any questions for me? Ooh, good one. Um, what's the, the biggest mistake you see SaaS companies make with advertising? There's a couple. Um, the first one is doing it too soon. Uh, like you said, like just, you know, making sure that everything's set up properly. Essentially, if you're going to start advertising and you can't like, if you don't know, or you can't do anything with the leads that are coming in a uh, big problem, obviously. And uh, second of all, just being very direct responsy. Um, you know, like I almost feel like when you think about it, I, I like to picture myself as when I'm walking down the mall, right? And you're walking down the mall and then there's this island with this random dude trying to put lotion on you. And I just absolutely, <laughs> that's, that's essentially like, you know, like the digital sales clipboard guy um, that's right. just coming at you and, and asking you to sign up for free or something like that. So just making it more contextual, like trying to understand who it is that you're marketing to, whether that be with like psychographics, demographics, um, or actually like 
putting them in front of content beforehand that doesn't even have a call to action um, to essentially just warm them up, right? You want people to know who they who you are before you actually go in for the sale, essentially. Yeah. Actually, I have one more question for you, if you don't mind. Um, what's been the more one of the more surprising things about the ads that you've run for you know SaaS? Basically, kind of you know what's something that's been surprising that's worked really well? Memes. <laughs> really. Meme ads, yeah, they do, they do amazing. Um, there's one really good one, for example, and this is, I mean, it's almost, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but you, have you seen that meme where it's the guy and he's like holding, I think his girlfriend, he's like looking back at another girl. Yes. Mm-hmm. You just put two tools together like that and one is like your competitors and the other one's the other one. That one just kills it. Super oh, good. So crazy, dude. That's so <laughs> yeah. funny. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, memes are awesome. Um, But cool. I really appreciate having you on here. It was a pleasure having you, Corey. And uh, we'll keep in touch. I'll send you all the details after awards. And uh, thank you so much for being on here today. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye.